Good morning, everybody. You are watching or listening to A Cup of St. Joe, where I serve an espresso shot of teaching about St. Joseph and devotion to St. Joseph during Pope Francis's Year of St. Joseph. Today, I am speaking with a Catholic novelist who has written two books, two novels about St. Joseph. I thought it'd be an interesting approach to look at the life of St. Joseph through the eyes of a novelist and how she came about to write these books and what she used to inform her as she told the story of St. Joseph. Karina Turner is coming to us from across the pond over in England. She has an MA in English from Oxford University, but has foolishly gone on to work with both children and animals. She is a Catholic Christian uh, with, with roots in the Methodist and Anglican churches as well. And she's a prolific writer of Catholic fiction that I've, I've found. So I'm very delighted to have been introduced to her and to share her writings with you today. So welcome Karina to A Cup of St. Joe. Hello, nice to be here. Well, it's great. You know, you know, it's always hard to do these uh, international interviews because I have to figure out your time and my time, but I'm glad that we got it to work and that we're able to have this conversation today. And, you know, maybe the first thing I, I'm curious about is why write Catholic fiction? What got you into writing uh, different stories with a Catholic bent to it? Well, for quite a long time, uh, since I was a teenager, in fact, I was writing um, just what you might call uh, mainstream uh, fiction or fiction aimed at that market but I tended to find that I felt like you had to keep religion out of it um, you just if there were religious characters they had to be kind of a bit mad or a bit weird or, or the bad guys or you, or you just couldn't mention it at all um, and I think the more I, I grew in my own faith journey, the less satisfying that was for me as a writer. And it became so frustrating. It felt so artificial uh, that I just, well, eventually I had the idea for my first published novel, I Am Margaret, in a dream uh, while I was on retreat at a convent. And I just thought, well, I'm just going to write this, but um, the same way I would write a novel aimed at the contemporary market, but I'm just going to let the faith into it. Um, so that's how I Am Margaret happened. <laughs> I see. And <laughs> it's interesting you talk about kind of the world of fiction writing, because I read a, I read a good fair, a good share of novels. And uh, what, what I found is that, you know, there's always, you know, looking at it from a Catholic perspective, there's always, you know, the, the homosexual character. There's always, you know, there's always something there that's accommodating to society. And so I think that's the value of Catholic fiction is that we eliminate kind of the immorality from the novels and present a more wholesome uh, form of entertainment. Yes, I, I agree. Um, and it's, it's not just the, um, the fact that you have certain uh, characters represented, it's the way they are presented. Uh, for example, there is a character in my Aunt Maya Margaret series who has same-sex attraction, but he lives according to the teaching of the church, and he is known in the series for being the most chaste uh, character in the Vatican. Um, and when some, some teenage girls ask him about it, he, he's laying out theology of the body. Um, so it, it's, I think that's why we need Catholic fiction. We need the um, presentation of certain ideas from a Catholic perspective. I don't think you should just sort of ignore certain things, but they have to be presented in a Catholic way because we are not getting that uh, from the mainstream fiction market. Yeah, to be countercultural in that way. And now uh, the other thing too is, so you wrote these two books about St. Joseph. One is for teen fiction, it's called, and that's Old Men Don't Walk to Egypt. 
And then the second one that you wrote is for adults, Do Carpenters Dream of Wooden Sheep? And, um, you know, I was just listening to a podcast the other day, and I always was trying to understand what young adult fiction was. Like, I always thought it was fiction, obviously geared towards young, a younger audience, but, but I guess the description I heard was that young adult fiction dealed with having, you know, the characters were younger, that they were relatable to young people. So I guess I was completely ignorant of what young adult fiction is. So what's the difference, I guess, between young adult fiction and teen fiction? They overlap to an extent, um, but young young adult fiction tends to be aimed to be more accessible to the older teens and the youngest um, sort of legal adults. So. Um, Actually, you, you get people arguing about what the definition is, but I would probably say um, young adult is probably from about 15 up to about 25, um, and teen is sort of um, from the beginning of teens up to 18. Um, there's quite a lot of overlap, and quite a lot of adults read, um, especially young adult fiction as well. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting your title here for your teen fiction book, Old Men Don't Walk to Egypt. So. Uh, it's about St. Joseph, obviously, and um, what you're trying to suggest, I think, by the very title is there's this great controversy, and I've talked about it on this show with a number of guests, and we continue to talk about it. Like, how old was St. Joseph? Is he the gray-haired statue we see in church? Is he a more viral young man? You know, who was St. Joseph? And uh, old men don't walk to Egypt. You know, for the longest time, I thought personally, St. Joseph was an older man. I kind of ascribed to the Eastern tradition, but I began to, to challenge my thinking uh, because of, for example, the flight into Egypt or Joseph journeying from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I just didn't know if an older Joseph would have been able to do that, if he would have had the stamina to go on such long journey. So it seems like that's what you're trying to suggest by your title, Old Men Don't Walk to Egypt. So I, I'm assuming then you're probably of the opinion Joseph was a younger man, is that right? I'm not actually trying to strongly take a side. I would, I would think more likely he was on the younger side. He was certainly obviously healthy enough to make those journeys. So I, I tend to think probably he was younger, but let's face it, we don't really know. Um, but old men don't walk to Egypt. It's actually a quote by um, Mother Angelica. She said that. Um, oh, yeah. So she OK. You obviously had the strong opinion um, that way. Um, I like to think he was younger, um, whether very young or just, you know, younger. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's open to. Um, sure. And what was your inspiration to write these books about St. Joseph for teens and also for the adult book? Uh, what was, yeah, what brought that about? Why write about St. Joseph? Well, primary reason was that it is the year of St. Joseph. Um, and I'd started my series about uh, saints for teenagers, um, sort of biographies through fiction, uh, with a book about Blessed Carlo Acutis, uh, which mm. I published last October. And I was thinking with it being the year of St. Joseph, I really ought to do something about him. And I was having terrible trouble um, thinking how to present his story for teenagers because St. Joseph's story is basically the nativity story. And people have been exposed to that every year um, in nativity plays and at Christmas. And it's kind of coming out of uh, people's ears. And I just, I just felt like one donkey and teenagers' read, um, eyes would just glaze over and they kind of wouldn't be engaging. 
So I just kept coming back to this idea of just taking the story and putting it somewhere um, in a completely different setting so that people could actually focus on the characters and what actually happened to them instead of uh, being distracted by stables and donkeys. Um, so what I actually did was, um, I have to correct a, a slight confusion here. They're, the books are both for teenagers or for young okay. adults. Um, and they're both related to my um, Saints series for, for young people. Um, the first one is, is Duke Carpenter's Dream of Wooden Sheep. Um, and that's the one I set it somewhere else. So some characters from um, the previous book in the series, one of them has a dream. Um, first they watch Blade Runner and then they read a pamphlet about Joseph and Mary and then they go to sleep and they have a dream about basically St. Joseph's story, the nativity hmm. story, set in a kind of Blade Runner-esque world. Um, and so that's, that's the um, premise behind that. So you can kind of really concentrate on the characters and what happens to them. And then once I had written that, I finally found that I could, uh, I could finally um, come up with a plot for um, doing a book about St. Joseph in the same way as, as my Blessed Carlo Acutis book, which was um, in a more conventional way, dealing with a, a teenager um, at a school learning about St. Joseph and starting to make friends with him and she's got big things happening in her life so um, I, I just couldn't seem to come up with that until I'd done the, the more radical one so I'm blaming the, the Holy Spirit for that. Sure and, and uh, you know do Carpenter's dream of wooden sheep and there you're also bringing out the fact that Joseph has these dreams that we read about in the Gospels that Joseph dreamt and the angel says, take Mary in your home, don't divorce her quietly, that the angel comes and says, you know, flee into Egypt uh, because these individuals are trying to take the life of Jesus. And so um, you're, you're really incorporating aspects of the scriptures here as well in, in, um, in what you're writing, it seems. Yes. I mean, St. Joseph and dreams, it's a, it's, a big, it's a big theme. So it is very appropriate that his story is, is told uh, to this character through um, dreaming it. And what other sources did you use to kind of inform, of course, the scriptures, but were there other d documents or writings of saints that you kind of read that you used their thought to inform your own writing then about St. Joseph? Yes, I read a, a few um, recent um, I think there were recent books about him and um, Pope Francis's letter, of course, uh, which which was good. Um, and I'd previously read, I'd actually previously read another novel about the life of um, of Jesus, which also had quite a lot about Saint Joseph in, which was interesting. Completely different take on it to a lot of people's, um, but it uh, won an award from the Catholic um, uh, Catholic Writers Guild. A few sure. years ago. Uh, his brother's keeper. Well, I think what's interesting is that, you know, you can pick up a book like a nonfiction book, like Mike, Aqu Mike Aquilina's book, The the World of St. Joseph or The World St. Joseph Knew or whatever the title is. I, I, I had an episode with him and I know that I, I titled my episode using his title, but kind of, I confuse the titles now, but you can read these nonfiction books, but you know, some people, they don't want to read nonfiction. They're big novel readers. And so in a sense, here you are, you're able to communicate certain things that we believe about St. Joseph. You're able to encourage people to think about St. Joseph in a new way. And, uh, you, you know, you, it, there's license with the imagination there. 
so um, that that you're writing and allowing them really to engage in a sense with their own uh, mind, and that will inform their prayer when they come to church. That's going to inform how they look at St. Joseph when they see a statue, all of these things. So really, you're able to communicate and teach about St. Joseph in a very unique way, it seems. Yes, I, I think it's a way that's got a bit underrated, because if you think about um, how Jesus taught people, um, he didn't teach with long nonfiction um, sermons. He, he taught with uh, parables, uh, which are, in fact, stories. And uh, so, so I think that they are a very good way for people to learn because people sort of engage in an emotional way with uh, with what's being uh, laid out to them. Um, whereas obviously nonfiction, one, one is um, has to engage in a much more intellectual way and it doesn't necessarily go as deep into your heart um, what you're encountering. Yeah, that's great. Now, these books are written for teens, and but anybody could read them. I could pick it up and read the book. Is that right? They're really for any audience, but geared more towards teens. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, as I say, there's a lot of adult readers of um, YA books and um, certainly of my own books. Um, a lot of, lot of my books are for, for YA readerships for young adult, but I have a lot of adult readers. So, yeah, anyone. Sure. Can... Well, that's great. Well, uh, what an enlightening conversation to talk about St. Joseph and literature. And our, so you mentioned a few other books. So obviously you've contributed to, to a fiction writing about St. Joseph. Are you aware of any other writings about St. Joseph written from a fictional, from, from a fiction mindset? I'm only aware of two. And I, I was looking into this a bit. Um, at the time, and I only found two actually. The one that was referred to by Pope Francis in uh, Patris Corday, which is called The Shadow of the Father, uh, by someone called Jan, uh, and a Polish surname, which I don't actually sure. dare to try and pronounce. Sure, and that's and that's a fiction book he cited there in Patris Corday. It is, yeah. Apparently, oh, it's a I didn't realize that. And I haven't been able to read it yet because it's um it's rather expensive, um unfortunately in English. Oh yeah, sure. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, I can understand why that would be, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the other one, as I, as I said, the one called uh, His Brother's Keeper by Bill Castle. Oh yeah. Um, and that's a novel about Jesus's life told from the point of view of his half-brother, James. Um, obviously there's quite a bit about St. Joseph in the earlier parts of that, yeah. Sure, sure, definitely. Well, yeah, I, and I think I just met this Bill Castle guy the other day when I was down at the Catholic Marketing Network uh, for the Catholic Writers Guild. He, I think he had a booth and everything. So, um, yeah, a little familiar with that. So, so that's great. And yeah, again, it's just a different genre. And I, I think a lot of people probably aren't even aware that there's a small market of Catholic writers out there who are writing Catholic fiction. And that's, and there's a guild. I believe you belong to it, the Catholic Writers Guild. Yes, I, I belong to the Catholic Writers Guild. Um, I also belong to a group called uh, Catholic Teen Books, which is a sort of collective of um, authors writing fiction for Catholic teens. Yeah, so for people who are interested in faith-based novels, and again, not explicitly about faith, but all the time, but bringing in different elements of religion and portraying religion in a positive light, 
there, there's, you know, these consortiums of, of uh, Catholic writers out there. You can find their works. A anything else you want to share about St. Joseph and your own writing? And maybe what was your devotion to St. Joseph like before writing the books? And how did writing the books impact your devotion afterwards? Yes, um, I think I was a bit like... Um... So someone someone um, gave a quote about um, the book's um, a Dominican sister. Um, I might just read what she said, because this is a bit like me, actually. So um, I can find it. Yeah, she said, um, as a convert to the Catholic Church from an evangelical background, I frequently struggled with nurturing a deep devotion to the saints. Sure, I have great respect and reverence for them, but would I have said we were good friends? Perhaps not. And despite being beyond blessed as a Dominican sister of St. Joseph to be under his patronage, I always struggled most of all in getting to know St. Joseph as a flesh and blood person. Seeing him through Katie's eyes, as well as Razim's in Duke Carpenter's Dream of Wooden Sheep, has had a beautiful and unexpected impact on my own relationship with him. And finally, <clears throat> I found a friend and spiritual father in St. Joseph. So I'm not a Dominican sister of St. Joseph, I'm only a lay Dominican, but um, somewhat similar background. And, and similarly, um, I also struggled to kind of get really close to St. Joseph, but I feel a lot closer to him after kind of uh, being so personal with him and writing these stories. Um, and, you know, I was entrusting them to his um, patronage as I was writing, so. Yeah, that's great. And uh, of course, as the year of St. Joseph, the books were inspired by the year of St. Joseph, which really then, uh, this is the fruit of the year. And then afterwards, as the year ends, but our life continues, now you have this aspect of devotion in your life. So it's a beautiful gift that our Holy Father has given us and what you have given in these books as well, because they're not just for the year of St. Joseph, but people are going to find them. Uh, in the future, and they're going to read them, and they're going to meet St. Joseph, they're going to find him to be their spiritual father. So, so thank you so much for writing these books, for doing something creative, something different, uh, in terms of devotion to St. Joseph, using your gifts and talents as well, because, you know, you, you're prolific, you've written this whole I Am Margaret series, go to go to the Amazon page for Karina Turner, you'll see all of her books there, and you'll see she's written a quite quite a good deal. So, um, you, you know, you're very talented, and this is you giving back now uh, to the Lord uh, with this devotion to Saint Joseph. So, thanks so much for that. It's it's been lovely reading reader comments because I include some some prayers in the books um, at the end, and you know, one reviewer was saying, you know, he uses them every day now, you know, and so it's been lovely hearing feedback. Now, do you have a website? If people want to learn more about you, how can they do that? Yes, I've got a website, um, www.iammargaret.com. Um, and I'm also on the catholicteenbooks.com website as well. And okay. obviously Amazon and anywhere else. Sure, sure. Wonderful. Yeah, so I encourage people to check out your writings, especially the two books dealing with St. Joseph, Old Men Don't Walk to Egypt, and Do Carpenters Dream of Wooden Sheep. So thanks so much for joining me from England today, Karina. And uh, yeah, blessings on your work. Blessings on yours. Yeah, and you have been listening to A Cup of St. Joe. We've served an espresso shot of teaching about St. Joseph. And now I invite you to join me in devotion to St. Joseph as we pray the litany of St. Joseph. I'll see you next time. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy on us. 
Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, hear us. Christ, graciously hear us. God, the Father of heaven, have mercy on us. God, the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy on us. God, the Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. Holy Trinity, one God, have mercy on us. Holy Mary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Illustrious Son of David, pray for us. Light of Patriarchs, pray for us. Spouse of the Mother of God, pray for us. Chaste Guardian of the Virgin, pray for us. Foster Father of the Son of God, pray for us. Watchful Defender of Christ, pray for us. Head of the Holy Family, pray for us. Joseph, most just, pray for us. Joseph, most chaste, pray for us. Joseph, most prudent, pray for us. Joseph, most valiant, pray for us. Joseph, most obedient, pray for us. Joseph, most faithful, pray for us. Mirror of patience, pray for us. Lover of poverty, pray for us. Model of workmen, pray for us. Glory of home life, pray for us. Guardian of virgins, pray for us. Pillar of families, pray for us. Solace of the afflicted, pray for us. Hope of the sick, pray for us. Patron of the dying, pray for us. Terror of demons, pray for us. Protector of Holy Church, pray for us. Guardian of the Redeemer, pray for us. Servant of Christ, pray for us. Minister of Salvation, pray for us. Guide in times of trouble, pray for us. Protector of exiles, pray for us. Protector of the afflicted, pray for us. Protector of the poor, pray for us. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. He made him the Lord of his household and prince over all his possessions. Let us pray. O God, who in thine ineffable providence did vouchsafe to choose blessed Joseph to be the spouse of thy most holy mother, grant we beseech thee that he whom we venerate as our protector on earth may be our intercessor in heaven, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen.